Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is a Tuesday edition of Birds 365. These two smiling gentlemen are your hosts, the Mac and Mac guys. I am Jody McDonald. He is John McMullen. You are smiling today. McMullen, you in a good mood? Uh, no, I almost got called saying something. You got to watch that clock, Jody. You, you never know when the show's going to start. You hear the music and boom, before you know it. We're on the air here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We are Birds 365. We'll keep you company for the next couple hours. I don't know if Eagle fans are going to be happy with me after the two hours of company that we keep today because I got some issues with the coach, Johnny Mac. Uh, you Uh-oh. guys, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John McMullen, leadoff questioner yesterday, correct? That is correct. By the way, that's not a good uh, spot to be in in a day like yesterday, because I wanted to ask Nick Sirianni about uh, Jalen Hurts and his lack of intermediate throws. You can't ask that. <laughs> if you're up, if you're batting first on a, a, a day after a game in which Brandon Graham, Brandon Brooks get injured, you got to go injuries. You got to you got to take one for the team. Now, typically, you like to get the first question on a off season press conference, that kind of thing. So you can know you can get your thoughts in. In this instance, it wasn't great. But other than, thanks, Allie, for giving me the first questions. Closed circuit. You you did get your – you did take one for the team, as you suggested, uh, which – Andy Reid, remember Andy Reid? He always used to take care of that for you. You didn't have to ask that question. Andy would always open up with injuries first, and he'd run it all down for you. So uh, he kind of – alleviated the pressure from that first questioner. You had no such luck yesterday. Yeah, that was nice. And, you know, in the offseason, the Eagles would text us a a practice update and and give us so we didn't have to waste time at the press conference asking about injuries. But no such luck in the regular season. And and when you have two such high-profile players as well, you know, I threw Javion Taylor in there as well. But if, if it wasn't Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks, but you got to get the update. And and the, and the worst part, we knew Brandon was out for the year, but you need to get it on the record. So right. um, it's just part of the gig. You did your job, took one for the team. Um, that Those answers didn't bother me. And I do want to follow up on both of those two with you as to where we go from here. But before we get there, uh, other questions that were asked that I specifically did not like the coach's answer to. And let's see if you had as big a 
follow-up question or as big a problem with it as I did. Um, you mentioned the thing that you really wanted to ask about was intermediate passing, because we all saw the flow chart after the game of the passes that the Eagles threw, and they were all very short or all outside the numbers, down the sideline, nothing in the middle of the field, nothing in that 10 to 18 yard range. It was everything over the top, deep balls, swing passes, uh, flanker screens, bubble screens. The the breakout was what it was. And that was one of the uh, first questions shortly after you went. Might have even been the second question, as a matter of fact. And I really didn't like Nick Sirianni's answer. He said in the answer to that question about why didn't you throw any balls over the middle? Well, that's what we game planned ahead of time. Really? You and all your offensive coaches got together, looked at film on the Detroit Lions, which, oh, by the way, uh, Jared got through for 340 yards and three touchdowns. The 49ers defense was that good week one. You said, oh, my, we better not attempt to throw the ball over the middle. I thought it was a lame answer. I don't even know if it was a true answer. I think he was just kind of scraping for an answer because he didn't have an answer. Completely an unacceptable answer for me on that question as to why they didn't throw the ball over the middle at once during the entire game. Uh, well, a couple things. I, I think he was telling the truth. It was game plan, but it wasn't about the 49ers. It was about the quarterback. He's trying to protect the quarterback. He was trying to protect the quarterback in week one. He's trying to protect the quarterback in week two. Um, and by the way, it's worked. They haven't turned the football over um, offensively. They haven't gotten the turnover, but that's uh, a, a different category. So they, they have protected him. But at some point, and at some point, you got to you got to you got to let him go. You got to let the horse run. You can't you can't play football like that. You can't play football scared. So I understand you want to you want to sort of bolster the confidence of a young quarterback. You don't want to put him in a position because that's where you're most likely to to have turnovers if you have a quarterback that isn't the most accurate in the world. If you throw the football over the middle might be behind a, a tight end, might tip, it goes up in the air. You have an interception, it goes the other way. He's trying to protect the quarterback. But remember what this season is about, Jody. We can yeah. talk about the NFC East. We can talk about all that. It's about finding out if Jalen Hurts is the long-term future of this team. Well, if you can't throw the football over the middle, you already you already have your answer. So Nick Sirianni's got to look in the mirror and say, is this uh, – how we're going to proceed moving forward, in essence, playing a whole season uh, hamstrung by not being able to do certain things on the football field. And if that's the case, okay, cobble it, get through it. But we know what's going to happen in next year's draft, in next year's offseason. You can't play football like that. I'm sorry. If you're going to take that big a chunk of your offense out ahead of time, because you don't have confidence in the guy who you're putting out there as your starting quarterback, you can't compete. It's all about competition, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't that Nick one of Nick's mantras? It's all about competition. Well, you're not really competing with your opponent on a given Sunday in the National Football League if you have that big a hole in the middle of your playbook. 
that you don't have confidence when your guy throwing yeah. the ball anywhere over the middle or uh, anywhere of any length other than, well, let, we'll let him gear it up and throw it 50 yards down the field. Because if that's picked off, then it's not a play that's going to come back and bite us. It's the same as a punt. You can't coach like that. I agree. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. And if you look at it from the perception, you know, you the flow chart is we saw it, fans saw it, other teams see it. And if they know you're only going to throw certain kinds of routes and you're taking other things out, well, they're going to figure out pretty quickly and they're going to either jump the short stuff or make sure there's a safety over the top on the long stuff. It's it's only going to get more and more and more difficult if you don't put the other stuff on film and you don't put that thought in the mind of opposing defensive coordinators that you're willing to throw the football. I mean, Tom Brady's 106 years old throwing five touchdowns. He lives in the intermediate zones. That's where he lives. That might be the most important throw in all of football. And if you have a quarterback that you don't have confidence to make that throw, you got to be looking at the next quarterback. You know, I talked about San Francisco. You and I disagree a little bit on Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a different type of sentiment, but it's the same sentiment. If you have a quarterback that you think can't do certain things, you have to go get the next quarterback. And that's what San Francisco did with Trey Lance. We'll see how long they get there, how quick they can get there. In in this case, if you have a young quarterback who you don't believe has the potential uh, to do these types of things, you got to already start looking at that draft and saying, you know, right now I think it's number numbers five, number nine, and number thirteen. If the season ended today, which it doesn't, uh, that's the three picks the Eagles would have in the first round. Now. I wouldn't get too excited about that because if Indianapolis is that bad, they would be the fifth pick of that group. If Indianapolis is that bad, there's even if Carson Wentz is healthy and he's not, even if he is healthy, they'll pull the plug before 75% and they'll say, no, we want that top 10 pick. So I wouldn't get too excited about that part of the equation. But the Eagles, what I'm trying to say, the Eagles have a lot of draft capital, a lot of money. And if they have already made the decision, that this young quarterback can't do certain things. They've already made their decision. Yeah, they've already made it. I, I don't think they have, but they're they could very well be leaning in a direction at this point. I think that that is a fair thing to say. If they've already made the decision, shame on them. Then why the hell they're going to charge full price for all the Eagle fans going down to the game? Ain't going to be any discount. Hey, seventy-five percent off because we're playing with a quarterback that we really yeah. don't think could be our quarterback of the future. I don't think they're going down that road. So until they do, and we're we we've got that many more games on tape to evaluate Jalen Hurts, I'm not ready to go. Well, they've already made that decision. I'm not there yet. I don't believe they're there yet, and they shouldn't be there yet. If they are, shame on them. Um, they they got to give a guy. John McMahon, do you know if he can throw the, the ball over the field? Do you know that no, he can throw the ball down the field, down down the middle? No idea. How would I know? Right, because they haven't even asked him to do it. All they, They've seen a couple of practice rounds, but they haven't done it in one of the games, which is what you want to evaluate off. You can't have made your decision yet when you haven't given a guy a chance to show what he can and or cannot do. So I thought if that's the case, and I follow your line of logic, and it may very well match up with Nick Sirianni's logic. Well, Nick, you got to get over it. You got you got to give the young man a chance. Since a whole bunch of guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald included, 
believe that this season is more about evaluating talent going forward than actually winning the NFC East and taking a shot in a playoff game. Well, then get to it. Give the kid a chance to prove that he can or can't do something as important as throw the ball in the middle of the field with intermediate routes. So I didn't like that answer yesterday. Sorry, Nick. I'm going to be honest with you here. And after his opening press conference, which I think too many people over, oh, my God, who is this bumbling idiot that we have as our new head coach? I thought it was woefully overstated. It wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad as some people made it out to. I think he is markedly improved over time to be able to get people's attention to uh, say, all right, I can listen to this guy. I believe what he's saying. He, he's got coaching capabilities here. I did not like his answers yesterday. It was probably the, the most I was ever annoyed at him. And the other one that really kind of stuck in my craw was when they asked him about holding Derek Barnett responsible. Um, I forget. I knew who I recognize the voice who asked the question and now I'm forgetting. So shame on me for that. Um, but it was a good question. Fair question. One I wanted the answer to. Um, he said he got off on a tangent of, well, today was a day about holding each other responsible as coaches on this team. That's what we do. We, we as coaches have to hold each other responsible. Nobody asks you about ask, holding your, your fellow coaches, responsible coach. They ask you a very specific question about Derek Barnett. And he eventually meandered to, we'll talk, it's unacceptable. That kind of penalty after the whistle is blown is unacceptable. But he got there after like a minute and a half talking about how the coaches hold each other responsible Maybe it had to do with timing, that it's a Monday, so they haven't a chance to talk to the players. If that's the case, shame on you. You take that bad a penalty in that game at that juncture, and oh, I'll get to the other thing that annoyed me. Did it twice yesterday. Uh, but that needs to be addressed immediately. On the sideline, head coach, defensive coordinator, positional coach, somebody's got to go to Derek Barnett and go, what the hell are you thinking? You can't take that penalty at that time. Are you telling me he wasn't held accountable yesterday? And because Monday's an off day, he's not going to be held accountable on Monday either? Really, Nick? Well, I, I assume he was held accountable on the field. I assume, you know, that's probably Tracy Rocker's job. You know, you got you to gotta have a conversation with him. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a weird week because they're playing on Monday night, so – you have the extra day. Everything's kind of pushed back a day. So this is the day the players will be watching film uh, with the coaches. And in theory, um, Derek Barnett will get uh, called out for it. But, you know, I mean, obviously he's not going to talk about that anyway. Um, I didn't have as big a problem with that. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why is – Look, that was a dumb penalty. He has a history of, of personal foul penalties. Uh, no question about it. It hurt the team. I got to tell you, I'm at the point where the game is so over-legislated. You know, Jody, I've talked with you in the past. It's kind of baked in for me. I mean, uh, this happens to every team every week in the NFL, and you have to overcome it. You're going to get a 15-yard penalty. Last night, I'm watching Green Bay – Detroit, it was it was a pass interference, just a great play at the go, great coverage, but it's Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, the Lions are you know what, because they're the Lions. I mean, it's just part of it. You got to get over the hump uh in such an over legislated league. So I don't like to focus on 
officials because there's nothing you can do about it. Coaches always say control what you can control. There's nothing you or I or anybody else can do about stinking officials. Now, in the case of Derek Barnett, he, as I said, he has a history of it. Uh, you do want to focus in on that and say, look, dude, you got you to gotta turn it back. One of the things about Derek Barnett is his aggressiveness that makes him uh, the player he is, which I know you don't think he's much of a player, but the Eagles do. Um, you know, and they'll make a decision after this year, which, by the way, is made more difficult by Brandon Graham's injury, which we'll get in. Now you got to start thinking about Brandon Graham at 34. Is he going to be back coming up an Achilles? You might have to bring back Derek Barnett. So that's the larger conversation. I guess I didn't have as big a problem as as you because I – same thing with Kayvon Wallace. I mean, it's baked into this game today. You're going to get hit with those things. No, but here's the difference between those two particular plays. Uh, no question. Kayvon Wallace, as per the way the NFL is officiated, it was a penalty. Yeah. It was a penalty of aggression. He was trying to make a play. I don't think he was trying to injure. He dropped his head a little bit in the back and dropped his head through. That That's the kind of thing you can go afterwards. Uh, are we an over-legislated game? Really, we're going to call that, too? I know we're trying to protect people, but that's just a football play. Derek Barnett's play was idiotic. No matter how over-legislated the NFL game may be, the ball is out of bounds, and you body slam an opponent? Are you kidding me? There is no over-legislation there. That's just a stupid play by a player. And he should have been reamed no, on the sideline immediately. And that's why I agree with that, and that's why I said he's he's had a history of it. He's had a history of personal fouls, and I'm sure it's addressed. But he, what I'm trying to say, I guess what I'm trying to say, a better way of saying it is you have an aggressive player, Bontez Perfect, probably the best example of this. You either put up with it or you don't. I mean, at some point, and, you know, maybe at the end of the season, they say, okay, we're done with it. But, I mean, I, I don't know how you fix that for a guy. Remember, he's been doing this long before Nick Sirianni's gotten here. So, I don't know if it's about Nick Sirianni holding him accountable. I think it's more of you either accept it or you don't when you have that type of player. And that's, that's a different decision, I guess, is what I'm trying to and say. Thank you very much for leading into my third and final point, because we got Nick Fierro's going to join us uh, ex Eagle big guy. We know he's got to get out to the course. He's got a tea time, but we're going to punch him up here in just a couple of seconds. Um, the third and final thing that annoyed us not on me about Sirianni yesterday was exactly what we were just talking about. Well, uh, I'm not going to comment on anything that happened before I was here. Hello, that's part of your job. You're supposed to know the tendencies of your players. They're your players now, right, Nick? And if Barnett has got a history of doing this, you damn well better know he's got a history of doing it. I said, well, it happened before I got here. Don't hold me responsible for it. The same thing with Jalen when they related the fact that he didn't connect on passes over the middle last year. Well, I wasn't here. I weren't my play calls. I don't know what you're talking well, about. You know, well, of course you got to know what you're talking about. You're that coach. Yeah, his second core value is accountability. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, well, I guess my point is you either do it or you don't. That's my point. He's the head coach now. He wasn't the head coach when Doug Peterson was here. So to me, he's not responsible for any of that. 
You're responsible he's now. He's responsible to know about it. He's not responsible in the moment. You're right. But he, that's his job is to yeah. go back and know what his players did or didn't do before he showed up. So with the quarterback, you either let you either take the shrink wrap off or don't let him throw it or don't, and you move on next year. With, with Derek Barnett, it's a different type decision. Are you going to put up with the knucklehead aggressiveness at times? That's what he is. He's a five-year player. That's what he is. How do you change that? That's How do you change good. somebody's DNA? I That's my only point. Maybe they didn't do enough research to know that he was a knuckleheaded player because, hey, I wasn't here. It wasn't my team. Don't look at me. That ain't thing that happened before the day that Howie Roseman introduced me to the Philadelphia fan base. It doesn't really matter. doesn't come into my sphere of universe. Not, not acceptable. Sorry, Nick. Had a bad day yesterday. All right, here's a Nick we're always glad to hear from. Coming up next, we're going to get Nick Fierro to join us right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears when it comes to the fight against insurance companies large corporations and the healthcare industry injured victims are always the underdog but that doesn't worry us at Messon Associates we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia and we come to fight our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Tuesday get together here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac here with you. And there's a smiling face. It's good to see you again. Johnny Mac not seeing him as often as he used to when he was covering the Eagles week in and week out for the Allentown Morning Call. He is still an educated observer of the birds. That's why we're calling Nick Fierro in from the pen to give us some insight. How's it treating you these days, Nick? Doing great, guys. Uh, it's kind of weird not being uh... – that that Eagles game on Sunday was the first home game I had missed in almost 20 years uh, that wow. I wasn't in attendance at, and it just felt kind of weird there. And for that matter, the week before was one of the first road games I had missed in about the same amount of time. So it, I mean, it's, it takes a little getting used to here um, doing the Bills, but uh, um, it, it's uh, it's okay. And and I did uh, have a chance to you know watch the Eagles, uh, you know watch some of the plays, uh, the pivotal plays. But I got to tell you guys, I, I don't know. You probably already talked about this. I thought they were. I th- thought they caught a lot of bad breaks, uh, particularly on two plays. I, I really thought that Jalen Rager was pushed out of bounds there. That should that call should have been made. And the, the another one was the uh, the turnover that was overruled when the running back got cracked in the head. There, you that 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 not, not only should have been the Eagles' ball. Uh, I think it was the hit on Kayvon Wallace. The, yeah, Kayvon Wallace was hit. That not only should have been Eagles ball, but it should have been a 15-yard penalty on the running back for lowering his helmet to initiate contact. He gave nobody a target. Uh, and I don't know why that wasn't really talked about um, at the time. But, man, that those two plays right there, that could have changed the game. Yeah, I, and that's what you, you and I have talked about this. And Nick, you know, gets frustrated, I know, with officiating as well. I don't get as frustrated as much because I think those guys had such a difficult job because – of that over legislation I talk about when that fumble, Troy Sermon's fumble to me should have been an Anthony Harris personal foul. If you saw before right. Anthony Harris got him a forearm shiver, which pretty much knocked him out. And that's why he was out. That's why his head went down. But if you call it on Anthony Harris, if you, you, you know, that's fine. Then it's a personal foul on the Eagles. What they did Kayvon Wallace was after the fumble. So at the bare minimum, it should have been a turnover and then 15 yards back, but the Eagles should have had the football. That's what I'm talking about, though. There's such these fine lines of legislation, over-legislation for this league. You talk about Jalen Rager. Look, I, I don't agree with you there because receivers in this league know they get hit down the field. Corners are always trying to bump them out of bounds. You gotta have more self-awareness to give yourself a little bit more room to stay in bounds. I so I blame that one on Jalen Rager. But I hear you. It was missed opportunities, Nick. I'm sure you saw enough of that game to know they were completely dominating that game to the Philly unspecial. And we got to get to that with you as well. <laughs> what you thought about that call on fourth and three. And then it's rare, as you mentioned, you've been covering this league for two decades to see that kind of shift in momentum with one play before that play Eagles domination after that play, San Francisco domination, fourth and three. What did you think of the play call? Oh uh, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I didn't like it. And I didn't like the way they, uh, they adjusted to the play. I mean, there was nothing there. Uh, I don't, it didn't, didn't seem like any of the receivers came back toward the ball. And then, then the decision to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone, hey, it's fourth down. I mean, I, yeah. throw the ball, if it's intercepted. Throw it. you know, exactly, yeah. 
I think, uh, or run it or, or do something there. Uh, the whole thing broke down. Um, the, uh, uh, yeah. I, and, and another thing too, you know, when you, when you complete a 91 yard pass, you have to get points. Uh, but that, that's another, uh, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't, I think they went to the Walter and it, it looked like, um, even though one player was fooled, um, on the Niners, it, it looked like everybody else kind of sniffed that one out and, um, they played it just the right way. So, yeah, uh, you know, this is what this is what we were looking to see how they could handle adversity. I mean, you know, last week it it uh, it uh, became a snowball game the other way, but uh, most weeks are going to be like what we saw Sunday. It's going to be a struggle to win. It's going to be one possession game. At least the Eagles hope that it'll be like that, and uh, they have to find ways to win those games. And uh, it's a whole it's a whole different deal. I, I you know. But I give I do give them credit. You know they they did claw back to make it a one score game, but too little, too late. And uh, I just you know this this is what they're in for. But I, I you know if you look at their schedule, not every team is going to be as good as the Niners either. No, but they got a couple teams coming up that I think are actually better than the Niners in Kansas City and Tampa Bay. But I digress. We'll, we'll get to that with you on a later date, Nick. Um, Want to get your take on something John and I discussed in the first segment of the show, and that's the Eagles play calling the first two weeks of the season, including next to no, if not, if any, intermediate route pass calls for Jalen Hurts to attempt to ex- uh, uh, execute. And the middle of the field between the hash marks, the Eagles are going with all either short stuff, quick hitting stuff, or wind it up and throw it down the sidelines. And John suggested it's because they have zero confidence in his ability to do that. And therefore, they're not going to dial that up and it's just not going to be part of their offense. I say shame them on him if that's the case. Do you believe that it is a conscious choice? that the Eagles are going, yeah, we can't let Jalen throw the ball over the middle because he's just way too in, inaccurate and he's going to get him picked off. Yeah, it probably is. I, I think that's probably a point there that, um, you know, I wish I had I've seen uh, more Eagles plays. I haven't seen them all. Um, so maybe I'm not even qualified to be saying this here. But, yeah, it, it, has, it has to do with a, a confidence factor. I, I thought that after the first week, you know, they, they might open up things more and, you know, uh, let it go, but it, it didn't happen. And um, I, I don't know. They, they, uh, I, I think that they, they don't have total confidence in him yet, and maybe that will develop over time. I, I just, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they, they, uh, part of that playbook was closed yesterday for sure. Yeah, certainly. And and the thing that that most troubled me, Nick because you have a young coach and first week, everything was near the line of scrimmage in Atlanta. Everything was bubble screens. It was trying to get the confidence of Jalen Hurts up and it worked beautifully. The completion percentage was 77%. I think next gen stats had him last in the league in the air air yard. So in other words, the ball out of his hand was last in the league 3.7 Yesterday, not yesterday, what day are we, Jody? On Sunday, Sunday. on Sunday against San Francisco, Hertz was tops in the league in air yardage. It was like 14.7. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. It's it, it's the extremes. There's got to be a comfortable middle, 
And I think that comfortable middle is that intermediate zone. But if you don't trust a quarterback to be able to throw the football in the middle of the field, can't you have success long-term in this league? I don't think you can. And I'm not sure, you know, if, if that's going to be the case going forward, though, with him. It might have just been game plan specific. Uh, you know, teams do do uh, crazy things sometimes. They they look at the they might have looked at the Niners and thought this is how we're going to attack them. But uh, and it might be different against the Cowboys, uh, against against Kansas City. I I would I don't know, but or rest of the schedule. But yeah, you you have to be able to make all the throws or. Uh, at least have the confidence in your quarterback to be able to make all the throws. Um, and if the situation calls for it, and it didn't seem like that was the case on Sunday. And so, yeah. Uh, and I, I, again, I, are those how it, it re- really was kind of interesting. Those, those numbers, you know, he was uh, number one through the air, but then the, the accuracy, excuse me, um, uh, was, was, you know, not the same as the week before, but, if if that pass would have counted to Rager, you know who knows that 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 skews the numbers the other way, I, I you're, that kind of stuff. I I don't know. It, but then again, he had a 91 yard pass too, uh, that kind of skewed things. I I just think we haven't seen we're, you know we haven't seen the, the finished product yet. We're, we're far from seeing that from him, and you know I'm not sure. I'm not, I I would I would let it go. I I was listening to you guys earlier. I'm with Jody. I I would just you know. Allow them to do it. If it happens, it happens. They're not going to be winning the Super Bowl this year anyway. You know, mm-hmm. let this kid do do what he – just open it up and, and see what he can do, and then you have a better idea of it instead of just limiting him. And then you get to the end of the season, and you still don't really know what he can do. Nick, uh, Coach Sirianni confirmed yesterday something that we all feared and pretty much knew that – Brandon Graham's done for the season. The Achilles is going to have to be uh, surgically repaired, and it's going to take him out the rest of 2021. It even throws a question mark over 2022 and going forward. Which is going to be more difficult for the Eagles to replace? Brandon Graham off the field or Brandon Graham as a playing leader of this year's football team? No, good question. You know, I think, you know, maybe off the field, um, you know, he, Brandon Graham's never been an all pro or, you know, never been the pro bowl. He's been a solid player. He's had, you know, good say, made, made a run at it in the last year, but um, they could get those sacks. I mean, t- theoretically they, you know, they, they, they did some things in, in the off season. They, um, and Javon Hargrave is getting such a great push up the middle. I think he's going to have a great year. Um, uh I, I don't know, I, I but but yeah, Brandon Graham's like you know spiritual leader of this team. He, he's one of the longest tenured Eagles ever. Um, been there since 2010. I mean that he's he's ancient. I mean he's been there forever. Um, and you know, three three coaches now, four co- Andy, Chip, Doug, and now uh, Nick. Four yeah. coaches. That's amazing. And so um, you know to hear the players talk about him then afterwards. You know Lane Johnson. Fletcher Cox, um, I think that pretty much says it all. Yeah, it is going to be very difficult to replace. They got a little bit of good news on the offensive line. Brandon Brooks, as good as it could be. I think we all saw the injury. We thought torn pack. It's a strain pack. He might go on injured reserve. So he's going to miss some time. But it's not going to be a season-ending injury. Um you know, you're you're covering Buffalo now. You see Josh Allen, who 
had an MVP-like season, certainly top two, top three, you could argue. Um, his explosiveness, how much is it tied to the offensive line there? And, and, and Nick, do you need that type of quarterback to be successful in the modern NFL, the guy who can, who can throw the football, run the football, that dual threat? Because that could be a positive to Jalen Hurts, obviously, if Nick Sirianni lets up on the reins a little bit. I think it really helps, but I don't know that you necessarily need it. I mean, you just look at Tom Brady, you know. Um, but he's, I guess, the exception now, not not the rule anymore. Yeah, you need these guys. But as far as Allen goes, it's tied a little to the line, but I think it had a lot to do with him just changing his mechanics, his arm slot and everything, and uh, really having a better overall grasp of the offense, protecting the football a little bit more when he did tuck it and run. Uh, he, he just did a, everything better last year. And actually, this is what I'm writing about now. I mean, he's he's kind of started out well poorly this year. Struggled, even, though yeah. they, even though they won 35 nothing yesterday, it was <laughs> kind of deceiving. The offense struggled, and uh, and so did he. His completion percentage after two games, 56%, 30th in the league. Bills aren't worried about it. He's not worried about it. And they could have a point because the two defenses that they played, even though it was 35 nothing Sunday, were pretty good, uh, the Steelers and the Dolphins. So let's wait and see what happens after you know, by midseason before we – you know, say that he's reverted back to old form, but um, yeah, the the op- and the offensive lines kind of struggled too, and that's that has to do with uh, with with his struggles. Um, they might even have to make a change at right tackle. I mean, they they extended Daryl Williams in the off season, and he was just you know looking like a he was really struggling out there Sunday. And um, Deion Dawkins, the left tackle, struggled the week before, and so that's that's a big reason behind his struggles. Um, and so yeah, it, it is kind of tied to the offensive line as the offensive line goes so goes josh allen but i think that allen's got the kind of ability and these some of these other quarterbacks uh, have to have the kind of ability to to be able to uh to make up for some some uh, leakage there not all we saw it even you know with mahomes in the super bowl last year as good as mahomes is i think he's great best in the league maybe but you know that pass rush got to him it, it affected the game Nick, I want to jump back over to the Eagles. And I almost feel bad uh, asking the question, stating my opinion the way I do, because if you watch the Sunday game, the Eagles didn't lose because of defense. They lost more because of the offense and the play calling and the inability to score from first and goal at the one. That's certainly if you're uh, analyzing the entire game and saying which was the bigger reason they lost offense or defense certainly was offense. Defense only did give up 17 points. However, they did give up two 90-plus yard drives. And sometimes I think it's actually more demoralizing when a team just goes chunk to chunk to chunk to chunk to chunk all the way down the field, uh, keeps the ball for six, seven minutes, and then sticks it in the end zone. Then three 40-yard plays, and boom, you're in the end zone. And then again, at the end of the game, when they got it to one score, they used their timeout, so they said basically – we're going to get one shot here. You need to get a stop. we got to get our hands back on the ball, and you're going to be able to get one stop or the game's going to be over. And they couldn't get the one stop. So while I do blame the offense more, the Eagles defense didn't get the job done on Sunday, did they? No, but again, I wouldn't blame them. And I kind of like what Gannon's doing here. You know, he plays a lot of zone. They don't let the ball go over their heads. Um as opposed to last year, there's other times that I, I think no matter how, how good of a cornerback you might have or two cornerbacks that they have, you know, 
when you play the other way, it, it's going to happen. I, I'd almost rather have it that way. I think that's the way you have to play it in the league these days. And, um, you know, just just look, they did that last week too. Atlanta went up and down the field on them at times, but they couldn't punch it in. And um, But I, I think that, that – um, I, I look at the points. To, to me, the points matter more than anything else. Um, yeah, it can be demoralizing, and maybe they had to change up what they're doing, you know, when they really needed to stop and put all these guys in the box. I'm not sure what they did there, and maybe they did. But uh, I kind of like the way they, they're approaching this. Uh, I was really uh, under the impression coming into this season that uh, the, the success was going to be tied strictly to the Eagles' defense. I, I thought they were going to score points. They didn't score points yesterday or Sunday, but I thought they were going to score points. I wasn't sure if the defense was going to be able to keep people uh, just based off of last year and, and what they did. And uh, I, I just wasn't really sure. But I, I think that this defense got a chance to limit teams' points. But, yeah, they, they do have to have a uh, – they do have to get off the field a little quicker. But uh, I think that will come over time. They have to kind of this, – this thing has to evolve under him. And I, I don't know that they all know what they have yet. And, um, you know – you're still dealing with, you know, a safety shortage there um, just in terms of pure numbers. Um, linebackers, they're still trying to figure out, I think, what they have. They're obviously really strong up front, but that's it. I mean, they're still trying to figure this out. I, I, I don't know, like, guys coming off injuries like uh, Rodney uh, McLeod, I, I, I think they'll get there, you know. I think they're going to be pretty good, actually, this defense, but way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, two weeks, uh, obviously a short, small, very small sample size, but six points and 17 points. If we go by Jim Swartz rule, Nick, that's pretty good. The end yep. game, if you if if you give up 17 points, I've said it since the end of the game, you should win in this league today. Uh, you should be able to get to 18. So I, I got a lot of problems before I get to JG. One of those problems you brought up before, Jalen Rager, uh, the route running, maybe not there. Devontae Smith, uh, first-round pick, tremendous talent. Uh, seven targets, two receptions. Nick, after the big throw to Quez Watkins, which was about six and a half minutes left before halftime, the Eagles did not get a reception to the wide receivers again for the rest of the game. Um, they had... In the second half, I think it was 38 or 39 total passing yards. Is this team just not equipped to win shootouts or to come from behind? Yeah, I maybe not. I don't know if I can say that yet, but it, it certainly didn't look like that yesterday. But th then again, I don't know that they, they're going to be in many of those, you know, with, with the defense that they have this year. And so if they do get into a shootout – yeah, like like they were with the, you know, with New England in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're not going to win a, a game like that. But um, the, this is not that team, and um, we're, I think we're going to find that out. You know, hopefully find that out one way or another with this quarterback and and their play calling. Um, but I, I thought that that's where the game turned too. By the way, you know, after that ninety-one yard pass, and they didn't get in, and it was all San Francisco. And San Francisco went into the locker room with the lead. And it was yeah. really kind of the more I, I just think it kind of sucked the air right out of that stadium. And, um, you know, obviously they, they came out and it was a different second half, too. But, um, yeah, you, you they, got, they have to get that passing game working 
better than it was. Um, but I, I think we're going to see I, – I don't know. I, I think we're going to see all kinds of different things this year. And there might be games where Hurts starts for 300 yards and, you know, hits all these wide receivers in stride. There might be games where he's just going to be, you know, stifled. And, and they're – you know, he can't hit anybody but the tight ends or the running backs and three yards in the air, that kind of stuff, like he had the first week. Um I, I I don't I just can't get a, a feel for it. Yeah, I, I really think he's going to be a good quarterback, but he's not there yet. Nick, let me ask you to get inside the mind of the other Nick. That would be Ed Coach Giuliani, which is not easy to do, but we do it all the time. Uh, I'm kind of getting on his case because of some of the answers he gave in his media availability yesterday. Um, after the big pass down the sidelines to Watkins, pass interference in the end zone on Devonta Smith, uh, which, by the way, yeah, talk about over-legislation, John. That was a little soft yeah, ball that was, for that me. Was, I, uh, I didn't quite was... see that as pass interference. I wasn't complaining about it at the time, but uh, truth be told here two days afterwards, a little soft on that call there. First and goal from the one. You got four plays to punch it in. Uh, take step-by-step, play-by-play, Nick. What do you think Sirianni's thought process was? You got a thought process after play number one. Then you change it. He's not laying the four plays out in his mind ahead of time. He hopes he never gets past play number one, that they stick it in after that. But how do you think his thought process worked as they went through those four unsuccessful plays? I got to say, I didn't see them all. I was watching the Bills game at the time. You know, I was kind of looking back and forth. And um, so uh, I'm just kind of going off of, of some highlights here and, I got to say, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm really not qualified to be commenting on that. To me, I think when, when you do have a fourth and one, you, you got you to gotta be able to throw – you, you got to be able to run it in from there. And if you don't get it the first time, you go for it the second time. You don't get it the second time, you go for it the third time. Unless you get pushed back, and unless there's a false start, um, and, and then, you know, you, you got to throw it. But you, you, have to have, you have to have things open there. And, and you know, yeah, but, but I think that – you get to the one yard line, you got to run it in. You got yeah. you have, to have a, a uh, you can't go sideways, and and you can't be calling Philly specials and you know Kensington special, whatever you want to call that. Yesterday, Delco special, uh, we'll <laughs> go Delco, the special. All right, last one from me, Nick. The most important one. Where are you golfing today? Uh, up in Easton at Morgan Hill, a real tough course. Every shot is above or below your feet. It's very frustrating. Uh, what you normally average, add 10 strokes to it. So uh, if I come <laughs> so, out of there, it's like so a I'm, So I'm going to be up in the 120s. Uh, no, I no, no, I mean, I haven't. Yeah, I think I think if I can, uh, I, I can probably shoot a 95 or 96 there. There we go. Uh, where I shoot 10 strokes better somewhere else. But it's a tough course, um, really tough course. And the guy who designed it obviously has a real sick sense of humor. It, it really <laughs> I mean, you, you could just tell he doesn't, he's not really uh, he didn't really like golfers all that much. Um, and anybody who's been there could tell. But it's still kind of fun to play that way because it's an obstacle course in that regard. Um, you very rarely um, out of out of the, you know, 86 or 96 shots that you take, you know, only 10 of them are going to be on a level lie. <laughs> well, that, is, that, that does sound difficult. All right. Along those lines. Either officially as per handicap or just Nick Fierro's honest opinion about his game. How many show, uh, strokes have you shaved since you decided, all right, I'm not going to be going down to the 
South Philadelphia on a day in day out basis here. I'm going to back off a little bit. How much uh, better is your game? How many strokes have you shaved? I got to be honest, none. None. <laughs> yeah, none. It, my game, you know, got to a point and then it just leveled off, and, and yeah. that's it. I, I don't think it matters. Um, yeah, anymore. <laughs> you are what you are. You know, <laughs> you, you can't be like you're saying. You can't change your DNA. I, I uh, that's it. And, and plus, I haven't been playing all that much more anyway. You know, okay. I'm dealing with the bills, and I, and I, it's uh, so you know, maybe down the road uh, next year that changes. But you know, I and plus I'm getting older. It's uh, I'm actually hitting the ball further than I ever hit it, but it's it's not translating into score. Yeah, not not getting you no. shaving any strokes off your game. Well, Nick, we appreciate you bringing your game here with us today. Thank you much. We will get back with you again soon enough. Uh, go out and hit them long and hit them strong. Okay. See you guys. Thanks, Nick. Nick Fierro, uh, formerly of the Morningtown. <laughs> Alan Call covered the Eagles for the past 20 years. Is that a little different? Yeah. Uh, no, no trips to sit down next to John McMullen. Uh, oh, that's the... a good thing. Nick's happy about that. <laughs> yeah, that can only be a good thing. Doesn't have to deal with the traffic at the link, which Johnny Mac admitted yesterday. Kind of forgot about. Yeah. Uh, I didn't deal with that I, yesterday. I, I was like, oh, I'm leaving early enough. I did not leave early enough. <laughs> not one yeah, of the first, tough. as he usually is at the link on a Sunday. All right, we'll come back, talk more birds. We need you to uh, stick around with us. Mac and Mac right here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald. That's Max for 365 guys. Tip of the hat as he heads out to the course of our buddy Nick Fierro. Gave us some good eagle insight today. Uh, Johnny, following up from a couple of things we've already discussed here in hour number one about uh, Nick Sirianni and his play calling and your belief, and it's probably pretty well founded, that it's a conscious decision for them not to be asking the quarterback to throw the ball on intermediary routes and specifically in the middle of the field where it does get a little bit more bunched and your accuracy needs to be even that much more pinpoint. And if it's not, the chances for turnovers increase significantly. And to Eagles credit, they have not had a turnover yet so far this year. So good on them uh, for that. They also haven't caused a turnover on the defensive side either, which is not good since they made that a major point of emphasis during this offseason. But back to uh, Sirianni and uh, the quarterback. Do you think that the quarterback is lobbying for those type of plays? He says all the right things. Jalen Hurts, although he's just a second-year player and a first-time, full-time starter, handles himself tremendously well when he talks to the media and he puts a very good spin and face on things. Do you think behind Eagle closed doors in the locker room on the practice field when you guys aren't allowed in there for your limited time to be able to see things, do you think he's lobbying and or checking down the throws that actually do have him throwing intermediate throws and over the middle just in case he's reading the same thing that John McMullen is reading? Yeah, they don't think I throw the ball over the middle. They don't have confidence. They're running scared of me throwing it over the middle. Let me tell them I can throw it over the middle. Let me show them I can throw it over the middle. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think so to your direct question, Jody. I mean, Jalen's just going to, you know, follow the game plan and and do what he's told as a, you know, second-year quarterback with six career starts. Um, But I will say, and I think most of it is the game plan. Most of it is Nick Sirianni. There are a couple times you can watch the film and and say, okay, the ball's not coming out on time. So that's an issue as well for the quarterback. Maybe there'll be a few more targets in those either in their intermediate ranges and the quarterback is not trusting what he sees. And, and then it comes down to either um, a, a, safe, a, a, a safety net kind of uh, drop off or just running the football. Uh, where I'll just pull it down and run, you know, that's, you know, if you're dropping back the pass and you don't get the ball, football out on time and it turns into a scramble, might be a successful scramble. Jalen's been tremendously successful running the football. You never know what, what those numbers are going to look like. So I do think there is at least part on the quarterback as well, not trusting himself in those types of throws. Um, so 
as always, it's a combination of things. It's a perfect storm of things. But I do think the vast majority is they don't game plan a lot of those throws to this point. Now, and I will say, to be fair, San Francisco was down two corners. They're starting two corners. Um, You might go into that game thinking, we got a chance to make some hay down the field. So I think that part of it made some sense. And Jalen does throw the football pretty well down the field, outside the numbers. He's got a, a good feel for it. Um, he hit a couple. He missed a couple. Uh, but overall, he's got a pretty good feel for it. Um, so I think part of that made some sense. And as the sample size grows larger, we'll see. It'll probably come back to the mean a little bit. Um but uh, overall, I think early in the season, I think it's fair to say that this 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 coaching staff is trying to protect a young quarterback. And it's interesting. Here's the disconnect, Jody, between coaching staffs and, and personnel departments and GMs. The GM's got to think long term. The GM's got to think, is this our guy? Is this our guy for 22, 2023 20, and beyond? The coaching staff is just trying to win games. How's the best way to, to beat the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night? If that's not throwing the football over the middle because the quarterback isn't comfortable throwing the football over the middle, you're not going to throw the football over the middle. It's difficult. It really is difficult. But when I look at this team, I say the number one, in my opinion, the number one thing they have to answer with this season is Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. So – if Howie Roseman, typically you don't want this, if Howie Roseman needs to make that clear to Nick Sirianni, he's got to make that clear to Nick Sirianni. Right. If Nick is uh, specifically saying, well, I need to win this week, and I don't think Jalen does as well, and I'm not going to ask him to do it because I'm trying to win the game. You're right. That 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 shouldn't, while it's never can be completely removed from the thought line equation, there has to be more to the thought line equation uh follow up on something you said and something a caller brought to my attention last night i was actually kind of surprised by it uh when i was doing my show last night on wip after the phillies he said well i already know jalen hurts isn't the quarterback of the future because all he does is run the football quote unquote which of course is a massive overstatement but he did take off 10 times and run it 10 times on sunday and I answered off the top of my head. I'm going to go back and we rewatch the game specifically for the place when Jalen does take off and run. Several of them were certainly designed runs, RPOs, which you never I keep the ball. He could get rid of the ball. The one was unbelievably lame down by the goaltend. I don't know if we even got into this yesterday. Was that the worst RPO you've ever seen in your life on third down, down by the goal line? You yeah. run it wide, and then both runners go wide? No, what you're trying to do with the RPO is make a defender make a decision as to which of the two of you are going to play. He fakes it and then follows the running back going wide on the play. That's got to be the worst design play the Eagles have run all year. Yeah, well, well it wasn't a good series, so. <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't a, a well-executed series of plays so that's fair but to your caller's point i mean jalen's run it 17 times this year through two games leads the uh, team in rushing by the way 
144 yards, eight and a half yards a carry, eight, eight, eight and a half. That's pretty good. Um, he's thrown it 58 times. Um, so he's not just running the football. And by the way, through two games, his passer rating is 108. Completion percentage is 62, 67%, 67.2. Pro Football Focus still has him ranked as the second best quarterback in the NFL over two games. So if you want to do the advanced stats, it's not like he's playing poorly. I think they're limiting what he can do. And to be honest, you know, that's helping those numbers. Um, you know, maybe the numbers are a little bit worse, but you're a better offense if, if you open up the rest of it. That's sort of what you have to weigh, I think. And I was just trying to answer them off the top of my head because I watched the entire game. I didn't get a chance to on Sunday go back and watch it again because shortly after the game is over, I jump on CBS Sports Radio and do a show on uh, Sunday evening and Sunday night. So I never got a chance to rewatch the game. I'm going to hopefully do that today. Um, on those 10 runs that Jalen Hurts had, as I mentioned, some of them were called runs, designed runs. Some of them were his options on RPO, and a couple of them were, yeah, he drops back the pass. It's not there. Boom, he takes off and runs. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, on the plays where it was Jalen's choice to run, not the design of the play to have him run ahead of time, I thought maybe there was one off the top of my head where I said, wow, he pulled that down pretty quickly. He gave up on the pass attempt pretty quickly, and he just decided – I'm going to handle this myself. I'm going to take off and run. That's not bad. If it's one, maybe a second one, it was debatable. And again, you could judge this better because you're there. You can see the entire field. We're limited by what we see on television. I don't know if he missed or uh, got a little skittish and didn't want to try and make a difficult pass. Just said, I'll take off and run and we'll make it a positive play. I, I didn't think it was all that bad. And when I got that call, it's, oh, that's all he does is run. My first thing to say was, uh, no, not as I saw it, and object to that. Did you think that he was a little overly ready to run the football on Sunday against the uh, 49ers? I mean, I, I think, you know, on the 27-yard scramble, which essentially set up the touchdown, um, Maybe, but who cares? It was a big play. You get uh, it was the biggest, yeah, it was the biggest uh, biggest play en route to that touchdown. They weren't able to throw the ball uh, consistently in the second half, as we mentioned. Um, guy's a playmaker. A um, little bit of a unique play, playmaker. So people aren't – when people aren't used to certain things, like if you can get 27 yards, go get 27 yards. I mean, that's a chunk play. Um, and, and, and we always talk about explosive plays, talking about that defense. They've given up one explosive play through two games through the air, one explosive play through two games 
in the running game. That's how good that defense has been. Uh, they're playing a lot of zone. Again, maybe not the preference from an aesthetic standpoint for what the fans want. So if you're thinking about Joe Montana or Tom Brady now, you don't even have to go back. Old school quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, who are surveying the whole field. No, he's not that. He's not that. It's going to be one read and go, or at the most, two reads and go. And that's the way the this league is going. That's what I was trying to get to with, with Nick Biero, whether it's, you know, these dual threat quarterbacks, that's that's what it is. It isn't one, two, three, four. What you're going to do if you're Peyton Manning, because Peyton Manning can't run the football. Peyton Manning can't go for 27 yards. Uh, so you have to play a different style of football. To Nick Sirianni's credit, I think, he knows what Jalen Hurts does well. He's developing an offense where, again, it's one or two reads and then go. I have no problem with that. Occasionally, that first read's got to be in the middle of the field just to make, put it in the defense's mind that this part of the field is open. I think that, to me, is common sense. And I'll go old school with you, not as old school as some of the guys you mentioned, Joe Montana, um, but old school and keep it here in Philadelphia. I started here in Philly with Randall Cunningham as the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, who, oh, by the way, could pull it down, could make huge plays with his legs. And yes, there was a portion of the fan base that said, you can't win with a running quarterback. He's got to be able to win with the pop from the pocket. Randall was better when he was running. When that was added to his arsenal, it was part of his package and something the defense had to defend on a week-in, week-out basis because they knew he could pull it down and turn it up the field for 30 or 40 yards. So I disagreed with it then. And even Donovan McNabb, when he was in his younger stages as an eagle, was not afraid to pull it down and go. He wasn't Randall Cunningham-like, but Donovan was a guy who could absolutely make plays with his legs. And he became more of a pocket passer over time. And that I think you could debate a little bit. Which was better? If you demark Donovan's career as early years, the somewhat scrambling Donovan, to the later years, he basically sat in the pocket and either got it done or didn't Donovan. Which was the better Donovan? I think there's a good debate that could be had between those two, but... Jalen Hurts, if you are not having him run the football, I don't think you're giving yourself the best chance to win because that is a key part of his game. He is that good. And as you pointed out, second biggest play they had after the Watkins down the sidelines play with Jalen Hurts scrambling with the football, I think they need to keep that in as part of their game plan. Oh, you have to. I mean, you know, the, you mentioned Donovan uh, McNabb. He's interesting because – he was on the cusp almost of the change in the thought process. And he had to deal with the, with that sentiment that you were talking about that even Randall Cunningham probably dealt with more. You can't win like this. You can't win like this. You can't win like this. He had to deal with that. And it affected him to the point where he stopped running on purpose and to prove that he could throw the football from the pocket. Look, Randall Cunningham, uh, excuse me, Donovan McNabb, to me, is the best uh, quarterback in this franchise's history. Now you can go back to Steve Van Buren. I'm in the modern history. Uh, 
he doesn't get as as much credit as he deserves. But I think he would have even been better if he ignored those criticisms and just kept that part of of his skill set in the game and didn't purposefully try to downplay it to placate some critics, which I think he did. I don't think you have to do that anymore. Um, I know Nick Sirianni does, and that's all that matters. You can have fans, but you have to play this way, you have to play this way. No, you could play a bunch of different ways. Look, Tom Brady proves you can play the old school way and still win as well. But it, it's difficult to to stop these kinds of quarterbacks. And all you had to do was look at Lamar Jackson this week and Kyler Murray this week. And when you have a quarterback who can run and you can't account for it as a defense, again, it's X play, X play, X play, X play, X play. In the case of Jalen Hurts, you know, it's sort of turned on its head. We know he can run the football. We know he can do the things he's doing. Now we just need the consistency throwing the football as well, especially in those intermediate routes. If you can click on that, then you're really then you've really got something. And that's what the Eagles, I assume, are trying to get to. Let me ask you about uh, the concept of quarterbacks and how much is good for them to be able to run if you're talking about uh, achieving the ultimate prize and the like. Patrick Mahomes is going to drive the bus more than anybody else. And, yes, I know. He got beat last year in the Super Bowl by that Brady guy. And I'm not even going to bring Brady into the conversation because we know what Brady is. He's old school, and he's not going to run because he can't run. And, oh, by the way, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So he kind of skews the conversation just in general. Yeah, but he's the outlier. People people bring up Tom Brady. Okay, yeah, but he's the outlier. You're not finding the next Tom Brady. So, I mean, good luck with that. <laughs> seven Super Bowl titles. What are we? I, I lost track. Are we at seven? Seven, yeah. Yeah, I lose track. Ten Super Bowls uh, 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 overall. How many? How many could say you know as a Jets fan? How many? How many AFC East titles? And then he goes didn't, to a different didn't, win, didn't win last year. Oh, that's right. Brady was gone. Yeah, that's why the Patriots didn't win it. Um, but he is the gold standard. So if you're judging, what were we all trying to do? We're all trying to win the Super Bowl. Who wins the Super Bowl? A stay-at-home pocket quarterback. Well, yeah, I know it's one guy, and his name's Tom Brady, but he is getting it done year after year after year after year. So do you say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, there are some other guys that are being excited. I'm helping the team make the playoffs, even get the conference championship games, but they're not taking down the Super Bowl. That's still a pocket quarterback that's doing so. Granted, it's not multiple pocket it's one, and his name is Brady. If you want him to mix in another one, it would probably be Peyton Manning, who, like Brady, was a pocket quarterback because he's won two in the last however many years. You're going back more than a decade now, so I don't even really? know if you can count that Colts one anymore, but the Broncos one certainly does count. So I'm trying to be fair here. Is it all about Mahomes? Is he the guy who you have to say, look it, he's gotten to three straight, he, if he goes again this year, which I picked him to do so, if he does go again, um, he won one and or two, depending on what they do this upcoming year. Is he the guy that 
other coaches, other organizations will look at and go, this is the guy. I know it's going to be very difficult, just like it's nobody can find the next Brady. I don't know that anybody can find the next Mahomes. But is that the balance you want? I'll give you Mahomes' rushing stats during the last uh, two years. In 2018, well, let me give, yeah, I'll give you 18, 19, 20. 60 rushes, 272 yards over a 16-game schedule. 2019, 43 rushes, 218 yards over a 16-game schedule. And last year, 62 yards for 308 yards. He actually ran it more often last year than he ever did before, but his average per rush was a little bit down. Is he the guy? Is he what the the teams are looking for, a guy who's not just pure passer, but until Lamar Jackson actually wins the Super Bowl, and I know he got the better of Mahomes with a little help from his defense who punched the ball out late. If not, Kansas City could have just run out the clock and Lamar Jackson would have never gotten back out onto the field. Um, Is Mahomes the guy that everybody is targeting, his type of quarterback for their quarterback of the future? Yeah, I, I don't know if the template, I think the template would more be um, a little bit before Patrick and would be Aaron Rodgers, because I, I think the ability to run the football, uh, but the bigger part of it is is the ability to extend plays, the pocket presence, all that kind of stuff. So I think Rodgers is still the template of, of, of you know, if you were going to, go to central casting and say, this is the quarterback. This is the perfect quarterback. He'd be the closest. Nobody's perfect. He would be the closest when he's playing at, at his top level. It, the, Patrick's a little bit different. I've, I've always compared Patrick to um, Steph Curry in the NBA because he's so unique. You know, I, I, I always tell the story. I got old takes, <laughs> old takes exposed if you've ever seen that Twitter account, when you say something. And what I said was what during the draft, uh, Patrick Mahomes is a mechanical mess and I still get old takes exposed. uh, Is it old takes exposed or freezing cold takes? Same thing. It's at old takes exposed, which is freezing cold takes. It's the same thing. Um, So every, every once in a while it pops up and I'll put, and they'll put up. Pat. He is a mechanical mess. That's what he's joking about. He's a, he, he's he's hor- he's horrific mechanically. Uh, you don't want to teach your 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 son who's going to be a quarterback. You don't want to teach him to do what Patrick Mahomes does at the quarterback. He essentially plays quarterback like he's a shortstop. His dad was obviously an ex major. He's got the weird arm angles. He's thrown he's throwing no look passes. He is I always joke and I, I joke with the freezing cold takes guy. I go, I'm right, but you know, I'm not gonna argue with these morons because they don't understand. Then you saw Lamar Jackson. Did you see his jump throw? Jump pass, yeah. That guess what, people? That is not good mechanics. No. But what I said is at, at some point when you're that talented, uh, who cares? Who cares? But if other quarterbacks, if normal quarterbacks try to do the things that Patrick Mahomes does, they're going to look really, really, really bad. That's why I bring up Steph Curry. You, you know, you've been watching basketball for a long time, Jody. 
if you would take a 30-foot jump shot back in the old days, your coach might wring your neck and throw you off the floor and never play you again. With Steph Curry, that's a good shot. If he's open from 30, that's a good shot. It is horrific from a uh, uh, sort of basketball standpoint of sentiment of how you're supposed to play the game because nobody else can do it consistently. That's what. So I put players like that. That's why I've always compared Patrick Mahomes and, and Steph Curry. I put players like that aside. You're talking about normal people, and not even normal people. Normal NFL quarterbacks have to have good mechanics or they look terrible. So I don't know how you replicate a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so when you start talking about templates, he'll never be the template because you can't replicate it. Here's where I know exactly where you're coming from. Uh, a little bit different, but combining the point that you were making with my game. Uh, yeah, I was never Patrick Mahomes. And I could shoot a little bit, but I sure as I wasn't Steph Curry either. Um, but here's what I used to do that my high school coach would, if it was during practice, he'd blow the whistle, stop, scream at me. Every once in a while I'd do it in game, he'd pull me out because he was just so dead set against us. And number one, I disagreed with him. And I'm a 17-year-old snot-nosed kid. And my high school coach was a uh, borderline All-American player at St. John's, uh, who was, I think, their leading scorer when his career actually wrapped up um, by the name of Jerry Houston. Um, he, he just would go crazy about this. And I think this actually hurt my high school career because I used to fight about it all the time. I got pretty good sized hands for a six foot guy. I could actually palm a basketball and I was a point guard. I handled the ball. I could very successfully pass off the dribble, be dribbling it, get it on your hand and just throw the basketball and be able to do that. Now, for a high school level, the coach would, you don't do that. Don't pass it off. Grab the basketball and throw the bat. And he used to yell at me all the time. And I'd throw a pinpoint pass to a guy cutting to the basket, hit him in stride, one bat, boom, layup. Coach, can we see the result? Can we roll back the tape? Did it work? Oh, yes, it did. No, doesn't matter. Don't do that. You can't do that. I said you can't do that. Don't do that. And, yes, that would oftentimes get me on the bench. So that's where I relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I I had this ability. I became good at it before he ever got his hands on me. I was doing it when I was 12 years old. So I sure as hell could do it when I was 17. But it used to make him nuts because I used to do it all the time. He'd sit down. McDonald's, sit down. How many times do I have to tell you? No passing off the dribble. Yeah. And, yeah, well, and that's if, if, you're, if you're a youth coach, if you're teaching young players – that's why you don't want that because most can't do that. And then they'll say, "All right, look what Jody's doing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to replicate that." You know, in 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 basketball sense, Pete Maravich for people that remember Pete Maravich, I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, one of the greatest passers of all time. You don't want to teach a young kid to be like Pete Maravich, Julius Irving. You you know. For people in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I didn't have Doc's hands. Yeah. I got big hands. I yeah. didn't have Dr. J's hands. You, you don't want to teach uh, uh, young basketball players to play like Julius Irving. You don't want to teach young basketball players to, te- to play like Steph Curry. 
You don't want to teach young football players to play like Patrick Mahomes. Um, it's not going to work. Um, nine, nine, 99 times out of 100, probably 9,990 times. I mean, those people don't come around. And that's why we're talking about templates. And you always want sound fundamentals because sound fundamentals are better than non-sound fundamentals. But there are those rare exceptions that don't have sound fundamentals, and it doesn't matter. And Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys. Lamar Jackson's one of those guys. Um, but you can't teach that kind of stuff. All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We still got uh, 40 minutes left here on Birds 365. Next thing I want to get into with John is the Eagles lost two players on Sunday. We know that Brandon Graham is done for the year. As Nick Sirianni told us yesterday, uh, they think they're probably going to have to go IR with Brandon Brooks, but it could be as little as three weeks that it's short term and he could be back again, uh, that it wasn't uh, a season ending injury. Well, we talked yesterday about who's going to step in. Yesterday, the Eagles used their rotation of defensive ends the way they did. They threw in Landon Dickerson as a guy to take over and probably going to be the way they're going to go going forward. Mm. But there's also more guys that are going to be involved because someone's going to get to be added to the roster because neither guy. And again, they haven't officially put Brandon Brooks on IR yet. John's assuming that I'm assuming that even if it's short term, somebody's going to get elevated either from the practice squad or they're going to try and grab somebody off the scrap heap. If that's it, they really need to do it today. They do have an extra day this week because it's the Cowboys on Monday night. But if you want to get a guy up to uh, at least if you have to throw him in, anybody they would claim off waivers or bring in from outside, they would be using as a backup. It's not something they're going to put in as a starter in either of those two positions. But um, what way are the Eagles going to go with the opening of the two roster spots on game day? How will they play it? I'll run that by McMullen when we come back. He's Johnny Mac. I'm Jody Mac. The Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to
to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Megan Mac guys here on Birds 365. John McMullen, Jody McDonald on the Tuesday after a Eagles defeat at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers at the link uh, 17 to 10. We talked plenty about the game yesterday and we're doing so more so again today. Um, but today is more about Nick Sirianni and his thoughts after the game and how he reacted and how he will react with the team. Uh, leading up to next week's uh, game against the Cowboys. And as we move along on the week, we'll start to uh, zero in more on the opponent this upcoming week, which uh, shouldn't be hard to get people's attention with the boys on the sked. Uh, But, John, I did want to touch on uh, what moves they have to make this week as far as the roster goes. Uh, Even before, and I tease it before we went to break, about the two uh, major injuries they have with Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks, both Brandon's going down. Uh, Another thing we found out yesterday was the fact that Zach Ertz was going into the COVID protocol, that he had tested positive, but he has also been vaccinated. So he's in a five-day period whereby if he is asymptomatic, which he is as of right now, if he gets two consecutive negative tests, then he can can rejoin the team and and could (laughs) possibly be uh, good to go by the time we get to Monday night against the Cowboys. Um, if he doesn't, if he can't pass the tests, well, then there's a possibility that he's going to miss Monday night's game. Uh, they had uh, three tight ends elevated onto the roster for last week's game. If he's not good to go by Monday against the Cowboys, they go with just two tight ends. Are they going to add another tight end? Is Richard Rodgers still a possibility because he hasn't signed with anybody else? He's not on the Eagles practice squad, but um, he's got a good working relationship, and we know he knows the playbooks because he was in camp the entire time. How do they handle the tight end position if they cannot use uh, Zach Ertz on Sunday? Yeah, I, I mean, I think more than anything else, they'll just probably play a lot more uh, 11 personnel with three receivers. Um, which, you know, Nick probably would like to do anyway. 
Uh, so that would give him the added excuse. Um, with Zach, yeah, he, he's he's vaccinated, so I get a kick out of the people shaming him. Uh-huh. Uh, so he tested positive. Um, as you mentioned, now if he passes two tests, they have to be 24 hours apart, and the Eagles have the extra day, so that helps as well. Um, but you have to be asymptomatic, so that we don't know. Is he asymptomatic? Um, if he is, and... In a lot of these instances with young, healthy people, they are. He's probably going to play, and it probably won't be an issue. Uh, but we we just have to wait and see um, uh, and see how that shakes out. But, yeah, they could use that. They have Nick Eubanks on the practice squad, who's uh, a rookie tight end from Michigan. They could elevate him um, to have the extra body at tight end. And yeah, Richard Rogers has not signed anywhere, so they could bring him back for the upteenth time. Uh, but I I don't know if they're going to go that route for the simple reason that um, Zach's going to be back pretty quickly. And if he does miss one game, and you know, if you're a betting man, I would say he's not even going to miss the Dallas game. So ultimately, I don't think that one's going to be as big as an issue as obviously Brandon Graham and even to a lesser extent, Brandon Brooks. But, you know, Brandon, um, if he does go on IR, short-term IR, um, then you start to think, okay, what are they going to do at right guard for the short term? Say if it's three weeks or a little bit more than that. Well, I got to tell you, Jody, when I rewatched the game, Landon Dickerson was not good in pass protection. I mean, not good at all. And it wasn't that the first play he was in was the 91 yard play to Quez Watkins. That was noticeable to me because he got just bowled over. He got knocked off his yeah. off his feet. Yeah. Not just good. and and it, it was not good at all. And you know, I thought he had settled down, you know, watching the game with the naked eye. It was not good. So then I went to then I went to pro football focus. I'm not saying this is a record, but I got to pull this up. They gave him a a 4.2 grade as a pass protector out of 100. That's out of 100. Yeah, just in case you're scoring at home, that's out of 100. Uh, Out of 100. Now, I don't know if that's a record, but I've never seen uh, a, a grade that low. So... We've talked about Landon a lot. Look, he's a young player. He's back at practice. He tours ACL on December 19th. Last week was the first time he was back to practice as a full participant. So, I mean, he got thrown into the deep end of the pool. Obviously, it didn't work out very well. I I think he's got a chance to be a good player, but maybe he's not ready. Now, the good news is you have Nate Herbig, who has played a lot of football, and maybe you do have to shift gears and say, okay, let's slow things down for Landon Dickerson. Let's start Nate Herbig. So I think that's going to be an interesting decision. And then as much depth as the Eagles have at defensive end, boy, I don't know how you, I don't know how you replace Brandon Graham. I mean, I think Josh Sweat is a great player. He's going to be a really good player. In theory, you could just get your best two players on the field and flip sides, one of them, Derek Barnett or Josh Sweat. Whoever can handle the base end side a little bit better, they're not going to be Brandon Graham. They're just not. 
and and Ryan Kerrigan is is fine. Teron Jackson had a really difficult time as a rookie with Trent Williams, but <clears throat> that's to be expected. I mean, veteran players are going to have a, a bad day more often than not with Trent Williams. That that is a big loss because that is a really good player. And I I it's so weird to me. I've been talking about this for years. I, this is one of the best players in Eagles franchise history, and I think Eagles fans don't recognize it. I'm talking about Brandon Graham. Let me go back to the offensive line before we go to the defensive side, because uh, you said you did go back and you rewatched a little bit of the uh, play of Landon Dickerson after he got into the game, and he quoted the Pro Football Focus grade, which was not bad, was hideous. His issue, his problem, the reason why he was getting beat, the reason why he did get such a poor grade, more strength more speed was it more footwork or was he just physically manhandled and sometimes your footwork can lead to being manhandled i i know you're not an offensive line coach but you're a student of football viewer to be able to discern something like that uh i'd probably get a more detailed answer from uh, mr stoutland than i won i would mr mcmullen but i've only got you on the show here with me so i've got to ask you <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm not jeff stoutland yeah but I, uh, yeah but i'm me, not expecting you to be but i'm gonna ask you to do a little stoutland analysis for me what was the biggest issue with dickerson as to why well i, I, I talked to jeff stoutland enough so i'm gonna i'm gonna rely on that okay, I, good. I, I i i think it was leverage you know normally I think you're right. Um, when you have rookie players, rookie offensive linemen, they're generally not strong enough. They they need a year or two in an NFL weight room to just focus on getting strong. That's not Landon. Landon is strong as a bull. Um, so it was technique and leverage. And remember, he's also huge. He's he's six six for a guard for an interior player. So you have a lot of these defensive tackles who know how to play and, and, you know, they just know leverage. They know you got to get low. Even Eric Armstead, who's a, a huge um, uh, defensive end who slides inside, been playing a long time. Low man wins. That's the always the old, the old sentiment in the NFL. Um, doesn't matter how strong you are if you don't have that technique. So, I would say strength is not the problem with Landon Dickerson uh, technique and fundamentals. And that I, it's understandable because he hasn't played in so long. He hasn't practiced in so long. And I think he'll be fine long-term, but short-term you might want to get Nate Herbig out there and, and sort of slow things down for, for Landon Dickerson. That, yeah, how, that would be the way I would go. How big is Herbig? Tall. I'm talking size, not not weight wise. If you want to give me weight too, feel uh, free. But Nate's much much shorter. Uh, probably six two. I would say. Uh, you know, he lost a lot of weight. It's three thirty, uh, but he's probably down to about three oh five. He's listed uh, now. He's listed at six four. He doesn't look six four. Yeah, he but... doesn't look six foot four to me. I would, the, I would, he and Dickerson would, look like there's a pretty significant difference. Because I'll tell you, the guy who always meets, makes me think about offensive linemen and leverage, specifically on the inside, guard, center, and like, that's Hollis Thomas. I did a yeah. bunch of shows with Hollis. I'm six foot. 
and I'm yeah. just six foot. I'm right at the line, six foot. Yeah, I might actually only be five eleven and a half, but I call myself six foot. Oh, I got a good couple inches on Hollis. And they used to list Hollis as six foot. And I tell you for sure, no way Hollis Thomas was six foot. He was five foot 11 at best, probably more like five foot 10. But he was actually built like a fire plug. And he could get leverage on guys who were much bigger, much heavier than he was. He was built like, I said, Matt Truck. He could, he could physically move guys that outweighed him by 40 or 50 pounds. And he knew how to use his leverage like nobody else's business. Just Stone Cold tremendous at it. And, uh, yes, I was lucky enough to uh, be able to hang with Hollis and talk about offensive line play with Hollis over uh, many a year because uh, he did uh, shows at WIP with us for a uh, long period of time. And I used to love to just get into the conversation with him about how you go about getting leverage, some of the bigger guys he played against. I did notice and note to him, now, Hollis, I'm no offensive lineman in the National Football League, and I'm taller than you are. And you used to tell me, Jody, height means nothing. There are some places in the world where height does mean something or length means something, but uh, no, girth and leverage, much more important than height. Uh, when it comes to defensive line play in the National Football League. All right, as you can probably notice, eh, we lost Johnny Mack. His feed went down. Don't know uh, if we'll be punching him back up. I assume that's the case. We'll try and reestablish. In the meantime and in between time, why don't we take a quickie time out here on Birds 365. We'll try and reestablish with my partner, John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. He's Johnny Mack. We'll, be, we'll both be coming back. Here on Birds 365 in just a couple. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spa on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. 
call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We've got Johnny Mac back here on Birds 365. Did you have to go to the bathroom? You pull the plug on yourself mm, there, McMullen? The plug, yeah. It's like an Eagles receiver. Certain internet companies like an Eagles receiver. A lot of drops. A lot of drops. <laughs> uh, well. I shall remain nameless until I rip the shit out of them on Twitter. Oh, there we go. There's a little McMullen angst that we've been waiting for all show. Uh, I, uh, we'll get back to talking about the Eagles and dealing with the injuries they have to deal with. We talked about how deploying and replacing them with the players they have on the roster is certainly a part of it. They're actually the bigger part of it, but they do have a roster spot that they can now use. And you would think that, uh, they could use someone from the practice squad because you add, because you are subtracting. Uh, if both players end up on IR, we know that Brandon Graham's going to IR. It is officially to be determined whether they're going to do that with uh, Brandon Brooks, but the coach said yesterday it looks like an IR situation, which means they're going to have the ability to elevate someone from the practice squad and or try and claim someone who's out there on the street. Um, let's talk offensive line first. Is it a given that they're going to add a guard? Do they want to go with someone? You and I talked yesterday about what would they do if Lane Johnson went down? Would they just plug in Dillard on the right side where we've seen him not be able to do it before? You tell me how the cross training went this year prior to the season to get him. Would they move my light over there and plug in Dillard? That's if Lane Johnson went down. Well, Lane Johnson didn't go down. Brooks went down. So it's just a given that they're going to elevate a guard from the practice squad? And if so, which of the couple of guards that they have on the practice squad do you think is going to get the nod? Well, you would think first up would be Sua Opeta because he has uh, been on the roster before and he's had some ex experience. He's actually played a little bit. So I think he's a little bit ahead. But I do know this team really likes uh, – Coyote Awasika, who's an undrafted free agent this year from Buffalo. He, they, I, I don't even know what they list him as. He played ta tackle in college, <clears throat> really strong. He's playing a lot of guard in training camp. Um, so they could go that direction as well. Uh, would be between those two uh, players. And, and then you have to think, okay, what would you prefer to have? Remember, 
you know, what you do have already on the roster, you already have a decision to make between Landon Dickerson and Nate Herbig as to who is going to replace uh, Brandon Brooks in the short term. So it's not like these guys would be expected to play. So you throw that into the equation as well. And you also Brett Toth, people forget, because he got um, deactivated last week. And he's got some tackle guard versatility. So Eagles are far better off on the offensive line than most teams in this type of situation. But one thing we learned from last year, Jody, it's great to have good backups. It's it's better to have good backups than not to have good backups. That's common sense. But there's a big drop-off when you lose players like Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, which we saw last year. Right. You're, you're better than other teams when this situation happens, but it's still not good. Right. You prefer to keep good backups just that, back up yeah. on the bench. Not necessarily in the game if you've got a really solid starting unit. And, yes, game one, the Eagles played all five of their offensive linemen every single snap of the game. That's the way they hope it to be. Well, we now know that's not going to be the case because Brandon Brooks is going to be out for a period of time. All right, how about on the defensive end spot? You mentioned Taron Jackson, who did get some snaps this past week against uh, the 49ers, and Taron had some issues with the very good offensive line that the San Francisco 49ers put out there, specifically Mr. Williams at the left tackle. Uh, are they going to go one defensive end short? They went with five last week. Do you think they're going to play with four this week? Or do you think they are going to elevate somebody from the practice squad? And if so, who's that gonna, guy going to be? They're not nearly as deep on the defensive line, practice squad help uh, as considered part of the roster as well as they are in the offensive line. No, they aren't, and uh, they only have one defensive end on the practice squad, and he's their extra practice squad player because it's Matt Leo, the international uh, player pathway program guy from Australia. So uh, they're not nearly as deep. I think you go about it a different way um, on the defensive line. Remember, Milton Williams was drafted to be the replacement uh, for Brandon Graham, essentially a, a guy who can play that base end position, move inside kind of seamlessly for the pass rush on obvious passing downs. So I think that's maybe what you play a little bit more Milton Williams at defensive end uh, to, to help replace Brandon Graham. Now, also last week was a little bit of an outlier because the Eagles were really concerned uh, about San Francisco's running, uh, rushing attack and their rushing scheme. And by the way, they did a really good job against it. They really shut it down. But that's why you saw some of the weird snap counts. Avante Maddox didn't play that much because they wanted the extra linebacker on the field. Gennard Avery played a lot. Um, Derek Barnett got more snaps than Josh Sweat, uh, even though Josh Sweat was coming off the big contract extension because – Josh is thought of as more of the pass rusher, even though, by the way, it was great defending the run in, in Atlanta. But um, 49ers are a little bit different. So they did game plan specifically for that rushing scheme. When you get into Dallas against a more normal 11 personnel team, um, pretty pretty much strictly, then you go back to, you know, Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat are going to be the starters most likely. 
Ryan Kerrigan, Milton Williams, you fill in from there, and that's probably your rotation. Teron Jackson, let's let's let him rest for a little bit. <laughs> Uh, he uh, didn't exactly get the job done this past weekend against the 49ers. I hear what you're saying there. All right, uh, Jay, we only got a couple minutes left here. And I did want to hit on a couple of uh, national things. One with direct eagle relevance and another one uh, just about the NFC in general. Direct eagle relevance. Carson Wentz injured again in the Colts game this past weekend sprained not one but both of his ankles so uh he is very questionable for playing this week uh for the Colts uh Eason Jake Jacoby Eason who I like and thought when it looked like Carson wasn't going to be able to start the season and he had this miraculous rehab that did get him back in time for week number one I actually thought the Colts might be okay with Eason going in and that there wouldn't be that big a drop-off. Uh, he went in and threw a pick and didn't look all that great in the Colts' loss. He's probably going to get a chance to start this week, which means we start to click off those snaps that Carson Wentz won't be playing, and we know how we find out if the Eagles get a second-round pick or a first-round pick, needs to play 75% if the, Eagle, if the Colts don't make the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, they're 0-2, and last year, no teams in the National Football League made the playoffs who started the season 0-2. So we are looking at that 75% number if that holds up. Uh, not good. And Carson Wentz, both ankles sprained. No one should be surprised by this, right, John? That Carson Wentz is injured. Shocko shocks. No, you shouldn't be surprised. But I do think, you know, and I tweeted this and everybody could check it out. It was actually Brian Costello. Uh, who's a Jets writer. So um, you should. Be, I know Costello. You know, he's yeah. a buddy. He's a good um, dude. And he's a good writer. Uh, he put out the first tankathon check of the year. Uh, it's a website that, you know, uh, keeps track of the draft order. So if it, by the way, ironically, the first pick would be Jacksonville and the second pick would be the Jets. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Eagles right now would have the number five pick which would be Indianapolis's, uh, the number nine pick, which would be Miami's, and their own pick, which would be 13 right now. So, obviously, that'd be great, <laughs> but that ain't going to happen. I mean, people need to understand, if the Colts are that bad and they're in a position to be in the top 10, being a, having the number five pick, and Carson Wentz does get miraculously healthy, and is on track, they're just going to shut him down. They're not a, let him going to hit that 75% mark, and they're going to take that number five overall pick. So, Eagles fans, don't get too excited by that. Chris Ballard is a very uh, smart general manager. He would not let that happen. So, it's fun to think about, I suppose, but no shot. And I mean no shot, Jody. Right. And oh, by the way, and I love Costello. Like I said, he's a buddy. Uh, he's a uh, reporter for WFAN, who I do shows for up in New York, uh, in addition to the work he does for the New York Post. And good for him pointing out the draft standings two weeks in. It's fun, but come on. The Colts win this week, depending on how other games go. They could go from number five to number 17 yeah. at one and two. They, there's some massive movement in those first couple of weeks of the season. You can go drastically up or down. So I'll 
I'll wait till after week number three to actually check in and see <laughs> how are those Eagles draft picks going. Um, but uh, yeah, not only is Carson Wentz hurt again, that may have some kind of an effect on this year's in-season hard knocks because yeah. they made yeah. the announcement and we were so inundated uh, with the Eagles stuff Friday into the game on Sunday. And again, on Monday, you and I haven't even had a chance to talk about this. Hard knocks is not only not going away, it's coming back even sooner. An in-season version with the Indianapolis Colts. And I read up on it a little bit yesterday. It's not going to be as uh, interview-related uh, as it was, that it's going to be standard cameras that they're just going to collect video from. There'll be some interviews done, but it's not going to be as in-depth as it was when they did it preseason and like. It's just going to be more of a behind-the-scenes kind of look. Yeah, that's what we need. More Carson Wentz in our life during the second half of the season. Watching him be told, yeah, we ain't not going to play you, Carson, because we're mm. not making the playoffs, and we'll be damned if we're going to give the Eagles our first-round draft pick. Oh, that's exactly what Eagle fans are going to want to be watching come December. Yeah, the Eagles fans are probably a little bit sick of Carson Wentz, but, uh, yeah, it is what it is. You know how I feel about hard knocks. I think it jumped the shark years ago. But maybe they shift it up to in-season, maybe kind of becomes a little bit more compelling uh, because, um, you know, once you take away the, the the preseason stuff, first of all, I mean, preseason's been scaled back so far in the NFL. There's not as much to talk about. They don't want to show those those conversations with the coach cutting players because that's too serious now. And and once you cut all that stuff out, it's kind of kind of meaningless. So maybe – if they allow you to get some inside looks at, at team meetings and things like that, that, that will be good for fans. But yeah, Eagles fans have, um, they're tired of Carson Wentz and, you know, Carson brings this on himself to a certain extent, you know, and Indianapolis. And by the way, you know, Aaron Rodgers spoke last night about trolls and think about, you know, the crap he gets after one week as being an NFL quarterback. Oh, and by the way, in Green Bay, which isn't exactly Philadelphia, um, if you're a starting quarterback in this league anywhere, I don't care the market, and you you don't perform, you're going to get a lot of you-know-what, Jody. It's not just Philadelphia. It's not just the East Coast. Thank you very much. You segued perfectly to the second thing I wanted to bring up was Aaron Rodgers. First, the way that he played. Yeah, oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, for those of you who thought week number one was the beginning of the end for Aaron Rodgers, oops, he comes right back out and throws for 304 touchdowns. And his quarterback rating, I think, was like 145 or something ridiculous like that. Completed everyone but two of his passes. He was near perfect in Green Bay's bounce-back win over the Lions. But I did note that, yes, he had the quote about uh, nice to be able to stick it to some of the trolls. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers is so big an individual. He doesn't worry about what they're saying in the 
Green Bay Post Gazette or whatever the newspaper is that's in Green Bay. Sorry, I don't even know what it is. No, he's talking about the pundits on ESPN and Fox and uh, Pro Football Talk. Uh, yeah, that's who he's worried about. He's not worried about what the local guy is saying up there in Green Bay. And he did fire back. I've always been a Rodgers fan. I love his game. He got a little overly defensive. Come on. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. He did kind of bring it on himself because he had this drama-filled, basically diva-like offseason in which he was making demands and had to get his contract renegotiated. I didn't think anyone was over-the-top unfair and going. I did not hear one national pundit go, and Aaron Rodgers is done. This is the beginning of the end for Aaron Rodgers. Nobody said that. They just said, you know, that wasn't a good week, Aaron. Off the offseason, you had to come out and, like, lay an egg like you did, which he did week number one. I didn't think any of the criticism, analysis, even critique was unfair for Aaron Rodgers. So who exactly was trolling him? Well, I don't think it's unfair. I mean, if you play poorly, you play poorly, and people point it out. I don't think it's it's unfair at all. Guys like that tend to use it as as fuel, and, and if it works for them, it works for them. I, I I guess my my more point is it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to hear it. it. Doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to hear it. If if you don't perform uh, for one week, even with all that in the bank, you're going to hear it. That that was my point. But yeah, if, if anybody did say that, and I didn't see anybody say that, it was kind of silly. Um, and and, and <laughs> I don't know why you would be paying any attention, but um, it, it, it's a difficult job, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Because if you're not, if, if you're going to criticize Aaron Rodgers for a bad game, well, yeah, you're going to criticize Jalen Hurts or a young quarterback. Those guys are going to get killed early in their career when they have bad games. And that might be the most difficult part of it at all because you don't have all that goodwill built up in the bank. You don't have that Hall of Fame career uh, built up in the bank. And a lot of people can't hold up to that criticism, and it, it destroys their career. That That's more of my point. If you play quarterback in the NFL, doesn't matter who you are from the top to the bottom. Patrick Mahomes is probably the closest. I saw a lot of people hesitating to say he played poorly in in the Super Bowl. He played poorly in the Super Bowl. Um, uh, but by John, the way, two, their, two their offensive line was switched yes. in the Super Bowl. I he was, was running for his life on basically every drop back last year. Jody, I was just about to add the context of okay. uh, the the offensive line uh, was an issue that caused him to play. But you can point out that he played poorly with the context. That that's my only point. Um, he's probably the closest one that's bulletproof right now. But even him, I mean, there were those, including myself, who said, "No, guess what? He played poorly in the Super Bowl. It's not illegal. You're not getting indicted if you say that." Um, and, and it, it, it's a tough job and Jalen Hurts is a young player with a tough job locally, a really, really tough job. And you're seeing it one week up one week down. It's tough, Jody. 
It is. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to cut them a whole bunch of slack in the Super Bowl because I thought their offensive line. The Kansas City offense played poorly in the Super Bowl. I would not say Patrick Mahomes played poorly because, yes, I'm going to blame it, uh, 99% on the offensive line. Uh, one last note for Monday Night Football, and I was watching the Phillies get all of four hits last night, so I was jumping into the Monday night whenever I got the chance. Nick Sirianni is undefeated in games against other first-year coaches, and yet to come on the schedule is the Detroit Lions with their goofy first-year coach, Dan Campbell. I love yeah. that coaching staff. I love it. I love it. Now, I don't know if they're going to be any good, but I love people that give great quotes. Dan Campbell, Deuce Staley's out there, Anthony Lynn's out there. I love that coaching staff. That might be my favorite coaching staff. It, but for different it might, reasons. It might be quotable, but it is not uh, done the job yet over two weeks. Uh, they got uh, well in advance, uh, boat raced by the uh, 49ers week one and couldn't come from behind. They tried, but they couldn't. And then this week, <clears throat> they actually got a lead against the Green Bay Packers. And then everything kind of started to come apart. So you might like their coaching staff. I like the fact that they're on the Eagles' schedule because I think that is a team that the Eagles have more talent than, and we'll see if they can get the better of them. All right, uh, J-Mac, we'd be running out of time. Uh, Eagle responsibilities for you today? Uh, nothing. Off day. Everything's pushed back. Wednesday, we'll have the coordinators. Thursday, practice. Practice uh, starts uh, COVID testing. So you're going to have Jeff Kerr. Thursday this Thursday week. this week is JK, which on Thursday we're going to have John Mashoda, who we had on uh, before the season started. He covers the Cowboys for the Athletic. He's going to be on with us uh, Thursday as well. So that'll be with uh, Jeff Carr. But you and me tomorrow for two more hours, bud? We'll do it, unless my uh, uh, Wi-Fi craps out. <laughs> I was going to say the name. I was going to say that. Oh, you'll see if you want to see it on Twitter, feel free at JF McMullen because they're going to get a talking to a stern talking to. He will be calling his internet provider on the carpet on Twitter. Feel free to check out J Mac on Twitter and feel free to check out Mac and Mac. We right back here on birds 365, 22 hours from now. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.